Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and with me today we have a special guest for the show. We have Justin. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Justin. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Justin. Um, I'm actually a college student right now, and um, I'm taking a little bit of time off school in order to focus on uh, my new project, which is a sci-fi novel called Adrift in Search of Camellias. Oh, yeah, that's that's when when, when is that book scheduled to publish? Um, so it's publishing this August with uh, a publisher called The New Degree Press. So until then, we're actually collecting pre-orders right now through this month. And then, and then when it comes out in April, it'll be available on, on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, and all that good stuff. Oh, okay. That's 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 amazing. That's good. That's really good. Um, we also have somebody else on the show as well. We have a good friend of the show. We have Aaron. Aaron, go ahead and introduce yourself as well. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? Aaron Harrison here. Um, regular old smegular day teacher by day, party animal by night, but I'm happy to be here. How you guys doing? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So since we are here to talk about your book, let's go ahead and just, you know, can you give the audience a brief summary of what your book's about so they know what it's about? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So the book is, like I said before, a sci-fi novel, and it's a pretty it's in the pretty near future so it's not like you know like a, a star wars or anything like that um and it's just when you know some of the you know the hot topics in tech have been kind of realized and implemented in technology the ones specifically um that are like play a big role are are things like vr and like even things like like brain chips neurotechnology and big data algorithms so if i were to summarize the plot of the book um in this future VR sports are really popular, um, and it's basically like a traditional sport, but that's played online within a VR space. So it kind of blurs the line between what is a sport and an esport, because a lot of sports these days as well, technology has become more and more you know, important to how they function. So the main character is actually an athlete for a VR sport, and he's kind of going through some tough times. He's you know, put in all this effort and invested all this, you know, all this time and effort into this, but he seems to be finding nothing but failure, you know, back to back. And the story is kind of about him finding his purpose despite this failure and despite losing the faith of kind of everyone around him, you know, even his own coach, his loved ones. Um, but him finding that a faith within, within himself. Okay. Um, what, what sport is he? Is it going to be like a multi, is he a multi-sport athlete or is he focusing on a single sport? Um, it's actually a single sport. So, I've actually been tossing up a lot of the specifics with my editor. So at first it was pretty much just like MMA. I kind of wanted to keep it kind of bare bones. Just they're doing something that is pretty realistic, but within, you know, our VR space. But then as I kept writing it, we saw a lot more potential to, I guess I'll add a lot more creativity to the type of sport they're doing. So that is kind of going back and forth, to be honest, like at first it was just MMA and then it became MMA with like certain power-ups and now it's like going some other directions. So <laughs> I know that's like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry that it's like kind of back and forth. I can't give a lot of specifics right now because it is constantly changing. But I overall, um, I guess the focus was more his character arc than anything. So that's what we've been focusing on and has kept pretty stable throughout the whole process. Which is amazing. That's 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 very important because I, I love watching a lot of anime and I'm very deep into the anime world and just regular shows, period. It says I, I would I like when they focus on the character development side more than just 
you know, try to give too much action, all those things like that. I feel like that character development side is very important. So let me ask you this as well. I know you said it's about the protagonist, but what are your views on also developing side characters? Do you do you prefer to develop them all the way or do you see people there for seasons as in like they're there for a little bit and then once they're, you know, their job's done, their time served, they kind of just fade into the background? Hmm. I mean, I guess it's a broad topic. It can be kind of depending on the situation. But one thing that has really, really interesting to me when talking to my editor and also, um, when I started working with with them, they gave me a lot of, you know, just books to read about the nature of storytelling. One thing is really interesting about novels specifically is that because a lot of the writing, it kind of digs you deeper into the headspace of a lot of these characters. Um, like developing characters very deeply tends to be even stronger in novels compared to maybe some other mediums. And that's like a strength of novels specifically. So one thing I'm trying to have is actually to keep the cast relatively low um like at first it was even it was like almost too small at first and i tried to really just focus on the head spaces of of these specific characters um like i i know i've heard a lot of other writers kind of write too many characters because they have a lot of ideas they need to cut them out but i was kind of the opposite where i, I was in a position where man i need to i need to add in more characters <laughs> so it's not <laughs> just these same dudes yeah i love that actually i really love that because i'd rather just few well-developed characters than multiple just underdeveloped characters that are really just there for a certain period like those seasonal characters yeah. and then they kind of just fade away and then your audience is wondering because you know they brought these characters up and they're like where are they at blah 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 x y and z but then they're in throughout your story you don't really have them there anymore and if case the second book or third book you kind of have to force them back in there whereas if they're you know where there's less character you don't really have to run into those problems you oh, can yeah, always definitely. add characters but taking characters away is kind of a difficult kind of thing to do um i'm interested to see what your thoughts on right now aaron oh what's been going on so far like none that you've heard his summary yeah i've definitely kind of been sitting you know soaking a lot of things in you know i, I teach ap literature so like i focus on books and we focus on character development and stuff and so just listening to justin talk um, I think um, even with side characters or, you know, supporting characters, those pieces, you know, a lot of times people tend to dislike the supportive characters that come in um, a lot of times because, you know, the reason that you both just said, you know, um, whether it's they try to add in so much or find things for them to do um, or as uh, readers or as an audience, we try to keep up with them. Um, but sometimes, you know, those side characters are necessary for the development of our main characters um, and, and what they do um, in, in uh, within our story. Um, as you guys were talking, I wanted to think this is like one of the, this is very creative of you, Justin. Um, and so one of my questions was, you know, what was something that kind of inspired you or what helped you to come up with these ideas um, to, to do something so, you know, advanced or to be um, kind of take technology a little bit further um, and kind of relate it to what we do or what we can see now in today's time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, with the sci-fi aspect specifically, you know, the funny thing about the book was that originally I wasn't going to write a sci-fi book. Um, at first, I just kind of wanted to write about there was this, I originally started, I guess, with this character arc in mind, this, I knew that this, I wanted this to be kind of the center of the story. And, you know, it's kind of based on my own experience as an athlete, if I'm being perfectly honest, I mm -hmm. guess it was a character arc that I had myself. Um, so I was, I'm actually a competitive fencer 
Um, So I went through that experience myself. And when I was writing this book, you know, there has to be some sport at the focus. And I didn't just want it to be fencing. Like, I didn't just want it to be like literally a story about me, you know. Um, And I, you know, I realized I kind of want to get a little creative with, you know, what they were doing. Like if I just chose basketball or or football or any sport, like they'd be great. But I also wanted to leave kind of my own personal mark on this story, I guess, to speak. So as I started, you know, doing things, I realized, oh, you know, what if I have sort of sort of a tech aspect? Because in school, I'm actually, I actually am an engineering student and I have a genuine interest in tech. And not only that, I guess some sort of background in, you know, what is actually being, you know, created by these new tech companies and startups these days. So that kind of became the the baseline that I jumped off from was taking a lot of these technologies that I knew was happening, doing more research into them and saying, okay, how can I adapt this into what I'm doing right right now? That's really awesome. I know that um, I'm glad you brought up, you know, what your actual major is, you know, what you study. Um, Cause I know that a lot of those things play a role in, you know, kind of how we develop our ideas and how we um, come up with different things to do. Um, but I kind of like want to talk about kind of the more developing side of this, of, you know, helping you start, you know, your novel. Um, what was kind of like, what was your writing process like when you were first getting started with the book? Yeah, definitely. It was really, really difficult at first not gonna lie because i i was actually balancing school and writing for for the longest time and it was just it was just a lot i guess um you know having to do engineering and i i also did like quite a few extracurriculars activities as well like i started a club um like i was in you know orgs i was doing competitions um also being actually a, a college athlete um in for fencing right now as well and it was kind of a lot. I, I I made deadlines for myself, like I'm getting this much done by this time. But it was still, I was still really racing to finish by the deadlines pretty much, which is why now I actually made the decision to just drop a lot of things. And one of those being my classes to focus on this. Um, but one thing I guess that I am grateful for through that experience was doing it through a time crunch kind of taught me how to write quickly, I guess, like just get a decent amount done in a decent amount of time. So now that I'm, you know, able to focus on it more, it's allowing me to be a lot more productive, I think, with it. Hmm. That's, that's really good. Um, I, I want to go back to the whole, with your competitive fencing and everything and how you wanted, you didn't want the story to be about you, but you still wanted to add your own personal touch. I feel like that's going to be really important because, you know, the key to the good story is, you know, people being able to relate to it and yeah. those struggles. And like you said, it, since it's coming based off your own experience, I feel like that that's going to be a really important part of the book. If that's like done correctly, which I'm very sure that you can, that you did make sure it was correct. But I actually have a, actually have a question. Um, What made you get into writing? Have you always been into writing or was this just something that over the past year or so you were like, I'm, I really want to get into writing. You know, it's really, I have a really interesting story behind this, actually. Um, you know, growing up, my, so this will be kind of a little bit longer of a background, um, but growing up, my dad was a CS professor, actually, um, and my mom was a pharmacist. So two pretty academic heavy jobs. So I always grew up in a household where academics were very, very valued. And I guess it's something I'm very privileged to have. Um, but one of the effects that had on me was that I kind of had two choices, like, do I follow my dad's or my mom's footsteps? Um, and I ended up choosing my dad's and going towards the more engineering route. 
But because of that, I also had kind of an expectation placed on me. Like, okay, you're going to do one of these things. And I'm not going to lie. Since I was young, I think in the back of my head, I always knew I wanted to do something more creative. Like I was doing, you know, all this like STEM stuff, but then, you know, whenever I could, I was like drawing or I was like writing or I was, you know, reading or you're doing just stuff like that. And I remember the moment when I was younger, where I realized like, wow, this is actually really cool was when I discovered uh, anime criticism, actually, <laughs> funny enough. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it was just something I was like so interested in just hearing about just characters, plot, and just like the way stories actually worked was like mind blowing to me. And I remember growing up literally through like, pretty much fourth grade and beyond like i would just stay up all night till like 3 a.m listening to like just podcasts or youtube like reviewers just talking about anime and that was like my thing for a really long time my parents didn't know they thought i was getting enough sleep but uh mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then when i got older that was that was always just kind of a thing that i did on the side and in secret um behind closed doors and I always thought of this, you know, text of it's like, okay, that's like what I'm really supposed to do. And I, I think I realized that I was getting kind of um, not dissatisfied, but I felt kind of incomplete. Like I wasn't developing some aspect of myself. Um, so I actually started um, right when I graduated high school. I was digging through my old closet stuff and I, I found uh, this book I read as a kid, uh, Star Girl by Jerry Spinelli, if, if, uh, if y'all have read that. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just give like a quick background in case anyone in the audience isn't familiar. But it, it's basically a kid's book about pretty much a, a girl who's like really, really different from everyone else. And she, it's kind of about her, well, it, it's actually from the perspective of someone else, but it's about just how other people react to her being so different and how she takes it herself. And it really touched me. You know, I read it, I reread it again once I found it because I was like vaguely familiar with with reading it when I was a kid, but then you know I reread it and it really touched me. And I actually looked up the author Jerry Spinelli afterwards because I guess it was just a habit after like you know watching anime. Like I always look up the directors or whatever. Like after mm-hmm. after watching the show, so I looked up the author and I was like reading about him a little bit. And one of the things on his Wikipedia page was said like he like in college he was an avid writer for a school's newspaper, and I was like you know what. Why not? That's like a cool idea. So when I when I got into college, I pretty much did the same thing. I, I joined my, my school's newspaper, which was really weird for a lot of the peers around me, just being an engineering or like just STEM dude who wants to join the newspaper. I don't know. There wasn't really anyone else doing that type of studies, but also wanted to do that type of extracurricular activities. Um, but it was like really rewarding experience actually making things. And like putting it out there and just um and it was just a really great experience um not only that the editors were so like the editors were so harsh I, like i got my my writing torn to shreds like no teacher had ever done to me before in my life um and it was just i just realized like man this is something that i want to keep doing um and that's i guess one thing led to another and, and now i'm writing a novel <laughs> yeah that's amazing that you kept going. You know, a lot of people, when they go through that first, you know, they're passionate about it, but then they take it to the editors and the editor is supposed to, you know, he's supposed to tear it apart so that you don't put out a bad product. And then seeing that and the editor just destroy you and you still were just like, no, I still want to do this. Even though I'm getting that pushback, he's like, no, 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 this is garbage. You're like, okay, well, we're just going to fix it where a lot of people would 
you know, quit or back down. So I commend you for that. I oh, really thank do. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I do have one question too. I mean, like, you know, hearing you say all that, I know it's definitely a process, you know, having to to go back and forth between all that. Um, what exactly does your research process look like, especially you being someone who's focusing like on engineering part and you doing so much like that's technologically advanced? Um, what does that uh, research process look like for you? And then how do you apply that into your book? Yeah, um, I guess one thing that I was fortunate to have is that I had a little bit of a head start and that I was already at least familiar to some degree or I'd like had heard of all the technologies that I wanted to use. And, uh, you know, maybe there are some relevant things to what I'm, I'm discussing that or the technologies I'm discussing that, you know, maybe don't make their way in exactly, but they, you know, they weren't in there because I guess they're not like, I guess if I hadn't heard of them, they, they weren't as relevant to begin with. So I already had a little bit of a head start. So for me, it was a matter of, okay, now where do I find more information about this? Um, one thing that has been a help is actually uh, professors in my university. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was big data. And I actually took kind of like a big data ethics class at my college. And, you know, one of the people that helped me was just talking to the professor. Like she just, you know, like, you know, people like that, that, that do know what they're talking about is just, I guess, a quicker way to get tons of information than just Googling it all the time, I guess. Although, of course, the internet has been like, you know, very, very helpful as well. So I guess it's just a bit been a matter of, I want to use this. So now I need to find where to look for this information. And in terms of applying it, um, I guess what I focused a lot more rather than the technologies themselves is um, the social ramifications of them. So for something, especially like big data, um, that's like very, very relevant. Um, a, a big topic now is, you know, big data may seem very convenient, but it ends up having these unwanted social effects. So understanding that has been really important, to, I guess, relating to my characters. And I, I keep using the big data example, but that one specifically, I pretty much put directly in the character arc. Like, like, like that's a, a direct cause of a lot of his turmoil. Okay, gotcha. So like, I know a lot of times, you know, with people like myself who, you know, would read your book and then, don't really know what half the stuff means you know when it comes to technology like big data i have no idea what that even is uh, what is big data and then what are some of the other um uh things that you bring up in your book that you know readers might see oh definitely yeah um i guess i should have explained that <laughs> yeah um, so uh big data is is essentially it's essentially a casual way of referring to technologies that can read and analyze very, very large quantities of data. Like we're talking very, very large. Um, an example of like one of the the first big data projects was, um, you know, when they're trying to read like a whole human DNA genome, you know, um, that's like a very, very large amount of time. And let's say you tried to read all of that with your laptop, um, you know, it's going to take, it's going to take 10, 15 years to, to read through all of that. So there are kind of... Um, it's a lot more math than anything else, but there are a lot of very smart algorithms that can sort through it in a very smart way so that even computers that aren't like super, super strong can still sort through it really quickly. Um, I'll give an example um, that I think is, is pretty relevant and something that I did a lot of research in is uh, big data for uh, criminal activity. Um, so um, what, what a lot of police, you know, just... 
the police, a lot of police departments are, are using are big data algorithms that will essentially take a ton of data on, you know, the, the people in that area and also um, crime statistics. And they'll use that to um, pretty much decide, okay, these areas are more prone to, you know, being at risk of crime. And, you know, that takes like a lot of data. We're talking like all the public information on the citizens. We're talking, you know, all these crime all the crimes that happened, um, what types of crimes they are. So it, it's like a very, very large amount of, of data that they figured out how to just parse through really quickly. Um, but in that specific example, um, like an unwanted social effect is that, you know, it may seem like, you know, it's just a, a quick way to, you know, kind of foresee where the crimes are. But what happens is that with that data, what a lot of police officers will do is they'll say, okay, if these areas are more prone to, you know, being at risk of crime, then we're going to patrol there more often. Um, but, you know, it turns out those areas that they found are more, you know, prone to crime are lower income, you know, like less privileged areas. So then they're just kind of perpetuating this kind of this gap between the wealthy and the, and the not as wealthy. Wow. Okay. That's cool. like, that's amazing. Cause it's like, to me, I'm like, I'll be reading that and be like, okay, I'm so interested. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is so new to me. Um, and so I know that, you know, you being someone who's actually educated, that's very educated on the topic that you're talking about. Um, do you still find um, writer's block to be like a major uh, hiccup when it comes to you and your writing? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because I am very much a perfectionist. I guess there's something in me that's still like, there's a correct answer to this, but even though I know that's, that's not true. So I definitely have a lot of instances where I'm kind of just staring at the same sentence for like an hour. And I'm like, is this, is this, is this good enough? Like, right. I guess my, my biggest issue when I'm writing in general is that I um, take too long on minutia and that can kind of slow me down. Like if there's anything through the writing process that I guess I was talking about before, that's made me faster is just not doing that. Like, especially for first drafts, I guess it's a little different when you're editing, but for first drafts of a new chapter, a new idea, or like whatever, like you really just need to throw up your ideas on the page. It's going to sound terrible, like no matter what, even if you spend hours on it. So just get it out and then you're, you can make it better later. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Very good advice. I know what's the, um, what would be like, you know, your, your biggest challenge, I guess you could say, especially with writing this book, what has been your, your biggest challenge so far? Mm -hmm. I, my biggest challenge has definitely been, let's see, I was about to say an answer, but I was like, wait, is that really my biggest challenge? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough no. question, just to answer on the spot. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, if anything, I would say the biggest challenge has been internal, I think, if anything, because just the mental aspect of doing at first it was the mental aspect of doing school with it but then even after that i think there's always been some sort of imposter syndrome or some thought that you know i'm embarrassing myself by doing this i honestly think that more than the writing itself a lot of these mental blocks have been the things that have developed me as a person the most from this experience um like of course i learned all these writing skills but i also have learned i guess how to actually start and finish a big project. I mean, I'm not finished yet, but, you know, hopefully I'm on the track too. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll learn a lot more once I actually do finish. Um, and I think that's something that I can apply to like really any other project. Um, like I've, one of the things with the the writing experience I was telling you about with joining the newspaper is that I learned that I just enjoyed being creative in general. 
like I started all kinds of projects. Like I, I started like making a video game at first, which is like a lot more related to, I guess, tech, right? Like I didn't know how to program and stuff like that. And then like, yeah. I started my own podcast actually just for fun with like my friends, not expecting to go anywhere. I started making music. Like we even made like an Instagram meme page and just, um, I guess with this experience specifically, more than any of those other experience being the most professional and like the most just thing that I'm trying to make successful, I guess, <laughs> has been really educational for me. That's juggling a lot of hash right there. That's amazing, though. Going from a game to a podcast, to, you know, music to everything. So I, I see you really have your creativity just going crazy right now. Um, I want to rewind for a bit because I know we were speaking. Oh, I just lost my question. I had the question. I just lost it. Um, <laughs> yeah. still just, we were rewinding because, um, oh, yes, the – what. You know, we went to the newspaper, right? But we never went past that to the next step. What made you transition from just the newspaper to actually being like, okay, I'm going to write my book and then I'm going to go reach out to an editor? Because that that is another gigantic step that is. Because yeah. anyone can be like, you know, I'm going to write a book, but then they sit there and just like you spoke on a while ago, like you, you know, kind of touched on some of the insecurity of like, you know, of writing. Because going public with it, because, you know, it's one thing to be in your room, whatever writing, but to go public with it and to reach out to a platform and be like, no, I want this is what I want to do. How how was that process right there when you actually took the step? What was your thought process and how long did that take you to actually go to that next step? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's like a really amazing question. Um, there were a couple of steps, I guess, between those two moments. The first one was, so my first article with the newspaper was actually a kind of like an interview spotlight style article for one of the professors. And it's like tradition at our newspaper that the first article you write is like a, like a professor spotlight. And the professor that I chose, um, her name is um, Professor Natalie Susie. She's like a really amazing professor in that she doesn't just do teaching. She actually does a lot of stuff outside of school. She's actually like a big entrepreneur. She started like, like a, I think she started, started a business at first for, for cocktail mixers. And then she sold it for a lot of money. And now she's like also like doing all kinds of business stuff. Like she's like a big entrepreneur type person. Um, so I just thought she'd be really interesting to, to have on. And I was seeing her one of her classes at the time as well. So I wrote that article, got to know her really well, and she became like a pretty close acquaintance after that. And after I published the article, she was like, wow, like, you know, like I was like, she was like really impressed, I guess, with, with what I made. And, you know, being an entrepreneur, I guess she was like, Justin, I'm going to make you an offer. Uh, I have some freelance writing jobs that 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 I have, and uh, I was wondering if you, you could take them. So I was, at first I was like, writing job? Like what? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was just like, you know what? I'll just go for it at first. So what I was doing for her, it was really not that glamorous or anything. Like basically I was writing her, pretty much her bios for her. Like at first it was just her LinkedIn, Facebook, stuff like that. And then maybe doing like a lot of, I guess it's more this business writing, like the stuff that like the about me is like th that kind of work. Um, but even then it was just writing that I was getting paid for and it was a new type of writing. Um, and after that, I kind of realized like, oh, like this is something that makes money and is a thing that people do like, mm -hmm. um, and at that point I, you know, 
going back to, I guess, the, the anime criticism thing. At that point, I was also really into like film criticism, novel criticism. Like, I guess I was really into criticism in general, but I was at a point where I was like, you know what, let's, let's make a story too. Like, let's put my money where my mouth is. Like, you know, like, you know, when, cause when you criticize something like that, you kind of make it sound like, you know, you know a lot about what you're talking about, but I also kind of knew I didn't. So I wanted to go ahead first and just experience that. So I started doing some story writing. And when I was looking at, at publishers, I found the New Degree Press, and they do kind of a, it's it's a little weird. So they they their publishing model is called a hybrid model, which is somewhere in between a traditional and a self-publishing. Um, so what that means is that pretty much, um, they'll they'll it has a lot of the perks that a traditional one will. Well, they'll give you an editor, they'll give you proofreaders, they'll um, they'll give you deadlines, they'll give you a support system, um, some marketing as well, like um, this type of thing. Um, however, um, you're going to have to raise some of the funds for publishing yourself in return that because you're raising the funds yourself, when the book comes out, um, I actually have full ownership over the book. So for a lot of traditional publishers, for example, like, you know, if you go through it, um, you're giving away a lot of the rights to your book, but with a hybrid publisher, um, you keep all the rights, um, as um, even with you know some of this help because you're kind of doing a lot of this financial stuff yourself, and there is kind of um, you know it's interesting because with a hybrid publisher, a lot of people do nonfiction, a lot of people do it because they want to help some sort of cause, and um, I just didn't really want to do that. That just didn't align with my goals. But at the same time, it was just an opportunity that was there. Um, so I reached out to them, sent in my manuscript, and it was accepted. And as, as it has been experienced because there is kind of a stigma around hybrid publishers in certain communities. And I've already, you know, received some hate comments as a result of that, because it is kind of a, a different kind of way. And it's not, it's not something that's really well understood. And you do have to kind of market your book a lot, but I think it's been at least so far a really great experience. So. I'm thinking it's a win as long as I if I'm having the rights to my book afterwards, it's a win in my book. Yeah. <laughs> get everything yeah, else, like yeah. all the other things that go along with it. If I have the rights, that's a that's definitely definitely a win. Yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah. kind of like I always describe it if I in a casual setting, like to my friends, it's like self publishing but with benefits. That's that's how mm-hmm. I would describe it. Yeah, and I'm I'm all for it. Uh, you spoke on your support, like how they provide you a support system. How has your own support system been like that? With with the like, I know you spoke on your parents earlier. You've spoken on your friends with all the creativity and everything. You've spoken on some professors and stuff. So, how's your own support system been throughout this process? Uh, do you mean support as in support for writing the book, or support like for me yes. personally, like mentally? Yeah, yeah. So through the, throughout the book. Oh yeah. Um. So I guess what I mean by support system is that the they kind of connect you with pretty much a lot of people that have published with them. And uh, not only that, because it is such an experience, like I can kind of just reach out to anyone else who's published with them. Like I just look up new degree press author and then I can just kind of reach out to any of them. And I actually have like um, some of the people that have really helped me a lot through the process and made sure I'm on track are actually just people that like on LinkedIn or like Facebook that I just like, oh, like this person also published with them. So let me just reach out to them. Like the atmosphere with new degree press is very much like a community, I would say, and we all help each other. Um, like we've made group chats for ourselves and, you know, it's just like, Hey, we got into this thing together and now, you know, that's what they mean. And I think the, pu- the publishers, they really try to facilitate that. Like they really make an effort to be like, 
you know, like we're a company, but you know, we're, you guys should like meet each other and help each other. So they, they do stuff like that. They, they have events um, where we can meet each other as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Just like meeting a lot of other people that are, you know, getting started as authors. That's yeah. Awesome. Like, have that yeah, okay. like that's amazing that they, you know, also provide that space for you too to have support and have other people that are, you know, like-minded and are going through the same things as you. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I know a lot of times, you know, with you, you know, taking this leap and, you know, adjusting, you know, your workload to go and write this book and to dedicate more time to it, um, that takes a lot of courage. And a lot of people are, you know, initially afraid to take that first step off to just be like, okay, I'm going to stop this. I'm just going to focus here. Um, how did your family, friends, how did people react to you, um, you know, taking, you know, your time off of school to focus on the, the production of your book? You know, it's been mostly positive, I would say. Um, I think with my parents specifically, because they were, you know, the ones who got me into tech to begin with. Um, before I had the publisher and I was telling them about this writing stuff, they were like, what are you doing? Like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> um, and I think one of, one of the reasons, one of the factors as well that led me to really seek out like a publisher is just to show almost to show them in a way that this is something that I can do and can make a reality because um, again, with the, with the comparison to self-publishing, just having that a publisher's name attached adds so much credibility, especially for fiction where it's like anyone can write like a kind of a story they have in their head. But when you have a publisher behind it, it's like, Oh, you have a publisher. Oh, tell me more, you know? Um, and other than that, I think most of my friends have been, you know, relatively supportive. I mean, we're all we're all kind of young, so I think a lot of young people, like when they see other their peers being very ambitious, not a lot of people get negative. I mean, uh, you know, act too negative. Although I have actually had a couple peers that were aware of hybrid publishing, and some of them are actually very much for it. But I actually had two acquaintances that were very, like, bruh, like, what are you doing? Um, and they kind of sent me a lot of flag for that like a lot of the stigma with hybrid publishing comes from this idea that like they're not a real publisher they're a hybrid publisher because one of the downsides with traditional publishing is that you really like you do have a lot of these benefits and you ultimately it's ultimately your book not theirs but as a result they the support is a lot less um and the deadlines are a lot tighter um, so what I mean by that is just, um, how do I say this? Like there, there is a lot less emphasis into making each individual book good because as a publisher, since they don't have the rights to the book, they're making money off like pretty much your initial publishing and, and sales and stuff like that. Um, the, the money that I raise through pre-sales, um, but so they actually don't have as much of an incentive to make sure every single book is good. So there is kind of a, a stigma that like, okay, a lot of these hybrid publishing books, like some of them have like not been looked at closely enough. Right. Um, but at least from my experience talking around, it is definitely up to the, each individual author to make it good because some people do get their manuscript accepted and are given these deadlines, but just don't really take them seriously. Um because my experience with all the editors is that all of them I've met are super passionate and like really, 
really tear your stuff apart. But the thing is that like you have you know you have to give them the material. You have to take it seriously. Like my well, at first when I wasn't you know when I wasn't able to put as much time into it because of school, you know I just didn't get as much out of the experience as I am now. So I think that's where it comes from. Like because after you get in, they're not going to be like, oh your book is like still needs some work. Let's postpone it. Um, because they already kind of, I guess, got the money, so to speak. So that's where kind of the stigma comes from. Wow, hmm. that's that's incredible. It's, and it's good to hear, too. I know, especially dealing with other people who, you know, might be dealing with similar situations, too. Um, but, man, I've thoroughly enjoyed actually hearing about your book. I'm actually looking forward to it. I know you said that, it, you know, it's not done yet. Um, It's still in the works. But this is definitely something that I will be on the lookout for. Um, I'm going to definitely cop it. No, send me so the, make sure you send me send me the link after this show after we get off this and i'll definitely i'll definitely order it and i'll start promoting it myself too. i'll post about it and be like hey oh, look at so check much. out this book I thank mean, you so much of course <laughs> yeah. exactly where can we um you know follow you or uh, to stay up to date on the book and you know when we can expect it yeah um so the the pre-sales the pre-ordering i was talking about before is actually on indiegogo um we have a couple options for platforms, but I'm just using like a crowdfunding site. Um, so just on Indiegogo, if you look up my name, Justin Cho, you'll find it. You can also look up the book title, Adrift in Search of Camellias. But I usually just tell people my name because it's like easier to to look up because sometimes people misspell the title. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you just look up Justin Cho on Indiegogo, um, it should be there. Um, in terms of when it's released and where to follow me, it's going to be released on August and it should be on, you know, Amazon, if you want to get it online for an ebook, and um, and also in Barnes and Noble and uh, all that good stuff. Um, I I mainly post about it on Instagram. Um, my Instagram account for the book is called Justin Cho underscore author. Um, like I do have a personal account as well, but I decided to make a, a separate one just because I didn't want to. You know, I guess I didn't want to just turn my account into like an advertising page. I guess right. You know, I just I, the business business and personal. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted this is like, you know, a separate account. I'm gonna post on this constantly for my progress. And this is like if you're like, you know, one of my close personal friends, it'll be just for stuff like that. Um I also post about it on my Facebook and LinkedIn, um, which are also just my names, Justin Cho. Um, but most of the stuff goes on Instagram. I, I think that Instagram is where I guess most of the intended growth is for me. And the LinkedIn and Facebook is just like Oh, if you don't have me on Instagram, like, or, you know, or if you're like some sort of old relative family friend, like, oh, by the way, uh, here's, here's what I'm doing now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, man, I've thoroughly enjoyed you. I want to thank you for even coming and uh, introducing your book to us and discussing kind of the the nitty gritty with your book. Um, So thank you. We appreciate it. Um, Checking out my name, Aaron Harrison. Yeah. Is um before that before we close out, is there anything else? There's like anything last time, like like last. Is there anything else you want to you know say to the viewers before we close out? Um, I guess not as much. Just you know, thank you if you've made it this far. Like I really really appreciate it. You know, I guess it has been a journey for me with ups and downs. Um, you know, with downs being you know not always getting the positive support, not always being taken seriously with what I'm doing. So honestly, like whenever someone even shows interest, it, it always like really, really means a lot to me. And like, I think that's what's helped me just persist through this whole process. So I guess just a big thank you. Oh yeah, no problem at all. Be sure to cop his book. He told you already where to get it. He told you the socials anyways. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Athlete, Ath Geeks Podcast. Always, as we always say here, always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, <laughs> remember to respect yourself. We out.